God desires the whole world to be filled with his glory. And that certainly means our church and her programs. Would you agree? Jesus warned us about holding on to traditions or, quote, the way we've always done it. In Mark 7, he says to the religious leaders, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. See, if all of the various parts and programs of your church life are not centered on how discipleship can happen in all of life after leaving the building, then you've let go of the commands of God. Jesus commanded this. And that's because everything we do as the church can support the only mission Jesus gave us, make disciples who make disciples. That's the only mission, or at least it should be, or it gets to be. Welcome to the Everyday Disciple Podcast, where you'll learn how to live with greater intentionality and an integrated faith that naturally fits into every area of life. In other words, discipleship as a lifestyle. This is the stuff your parents, pastors, and seminary professors probably forgot to tell you. And now, here's your host, Caesar Kalinowski. Hey, hey, here we are again together, brothers and sisters. Glad to have you with me. How does that sound when I say that, brother or sister? Do you feel that? Do you hear that? You know, we've always taught that we want to treat everyone like family, but clearly no one would even argue that within the family of God, we're brothers and sisters. I, I think God has created us all. Humanity is part of his ultimate family. That's what scripture teaches. There's just the redeemed and the unredeemed brothers and sisters or those who know it or don't or don't have faith and trust in what Jesus has done. But I can remember in community, people kind of pushing back on that or why do you call me brother? Anyway, welcome brothers and sisters. Feeling pretty healthy these days. I got to tell you, my wife and I, along with a bunch of our kids and their spouses, we've started this thing called 75 Hard. And maybe you've heard of it. It's like a 75 day. I want to call it a health planner challenge. They say, no, it's a mindset shift. And that's because it's really, really hard what you sort of commit to doing over the 75 days. We're about two weeks into it right now. Our kids started on the first of the year. We had to wait a little bit just due to travel. But you pick a diet and you follow it. For us, it's low carb, but no cheat days. You can't do a cheat day. And then you work out twice a day for 45 minutes, and one of those workouts needs to be outside. You drink a gallon of water every day, and boy, oh boy, is that a lot of water. Uh, You read 10 pages of nonfiction every day, no alcohol, and then you're supposed to take a progress picture daily. You don't have to post or anything, but you're just kind of keeping track for yourself. So uh, my kids are doing it straight up. And you can't, by the way, if you mess up on any of those, you have to start over. I was reading someone online talking about this, and they said on day 72, they got COVID and couldn't work out, and they had to start over. (laughs) And oh, everybody was going, no, you didn't. That's Come on, that's ridiculous. But my wife and I are doing a little bit of a modified one. We're not doing two workouts a day, just one. And uh, that's about it, really. I haven't taken any pictures yet. I, I know what I look like. But other than that, we're doing it. But I tell you, just in a couple of weeks even, I'm feeling amazing. I got to be honest with you. So pray for me. I'll probably give you updates, a few of them along the way here in the weeks ahead on the podcast. But so far, so good. Hey, have you shared this podcast with someone recently or ever? 
I'd really love it if you would. Can I ask you to do that for me? I'm asking you, brother or sister, right now, would you please take a moment and share the podcast? You can do it via text. You can send anybody over to everydaydisciple.com. You can see one of our social posts and share it out on Facebook, or you can go to the website and send them that link, but it's just at everydaydisciple.com. They can find it. There's a little link that says podcast, but by sharing out the podcast, we can help more and more people understand their true identity, how the gospel speaks into all in life, and give people the help they need to be able to really live a lifestyle that like we talk about of discipleship. I also want to remind you that this podcast is newly officially supported and made possible in part by the support of Missio Publishing. So I've told you Missio publishes some of my books, The Gospel Primer and Bigger Gospel, and they're going to be putting out two more of my books in the coming year. In fact, little announcement here, drum roll, my book Transformed, which originally came out on Zondervan. I've gotten those publishing rights back. Missio is putting out a new version of that, second version of that, and that'll probably be out next month. Yeah, real soon. And I'll let you know exactly when. And I know that Missio is going to be giving a whole bunch of cool bonuses away when you buy the book and or share it out and all that kind of stuff. Really some fun stuff coming up. So if you're leading a small group or missional community or starting to lead your church on mission in a bigger way, please visit missiopublishing.com. That's M-I-S-S-I-O publishing.com. They've got a bunch of great resources, especially for life in groups and helping move people into their gospel fluency and out towards mission or growing in their understanding of mercy and service through the Primer series, all that kind of stuff. So check it out, missiopublishing.com. Thanks. I also want to tell you that we have a new coaching cohort starting up next month. So I'd love to have you check it out. Really, I'd love to have you in that coaching cohort with us. Because if you're interested in learning how to create a full framework for your discipleship, not just a little sort of Frankenstein patch of a little bit of this book, and I heard you talk about this in the podcast, and we're giving it our best try. But if you want to grow in your gospel fluency and have all the tools for discipleship, I'd love to have you in our coaching with us. You can find out a lot more about our coaching by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching, everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching. And there's a lot of information, a little video. I'll explain some stuff to you there. And then there's a little form. You can just answer a couple of questions and get a hold of me. We'll set up a Zoom call to sort of discuss it and see if it's a good fit. Now, let me introduce today's topic with a little story from my past. I, years ago, had a 1963 VW Beetle. This thing was rotted out. I got it for $50 because I had sold my cool car for my first Harley. And I, the, the guy actually who sold me the Harley was a mechanic. He said, hey, what are you going to be driving? I said, I don't have any wheels. And he said, but winter's coming too. And I'm like, yeah. He goes, I'll sell you that Beetle for 50 bucks." And it was a 63. It had a 1959 motor in it. The thing was a beast. The floorboards were all rusted out and hanging down like there was like a four-inch gap you could see, like the road, like next to your seat. And water would just blow in during the rain and all that. And the front end of this thing, like the steering and all, was just as loose as a goose. And it pulled really hard in one direction instead of going straight down the road. The thing was, I loved it, but it was a beast. One night, Tina and I were out driving this thing, and we were following another couple around town in their VW Beetle. We were heading somewhere, and they said, hey, follow us. And we were kind of having some fun. It was summer out, and it was dark out. And they eventually pulled through a parking lot behind a local bar that we often visited. And then they, all of a sudden, instead of parking, they dove off the pavement 
into a field that was back there and it had like four foot high weeds and grass growing and all that it was and we followed them zoom off we went it's kind of funny we're kind of boondocking we're thinking ah, look at we're baja and all this but the grass is up as high as the windows so you can't really see what you're doing and driving and it's night and we're just following them and laughing and having a good old time and then all of a sudden boom we hit something like Tina and I, we're in this car. We hit something that's lying apparently in the tall grass that we hadn't seen. Tina almost flies through the windshield. It's it's kind of nuts. And we're like, oh my gosh, what happened? What did we hit? Like we didn't know. We really didn't. And like, are you okay? And she was okay. We were all super startled. And then I go, well, let's go. Our friends, you know, they don't even know. They're like way ahead of us now. They're gone somewhere. And I put the thing in gear. Nothing. Nothing happens. And I realize, oh, the tires are just spinning. I'm thinking, oh, man, I broke the tranny or something. This thing's shot. I don't know, right? And I open the door to get out and look, and I fall out. Turns out we, we had hit a big log, like a telephone pole that was laying down in these four-foot weeds. And now the car almost made it up over it, like ba-boom. And the back wheels are up off the ground, and that's why it wasn't going anywhere when I put it in gear. And so eventually my friend circles back around, and we kind of lift the bug off this off this pole and I get it back on the ground and it turns out the tranny's not broke. It is running. Now here's what's crazy though. After the that VW, you know, crashing into that pole and all, it miraculously went straight down the road. <laughs> it was like hitting that front end so hard it kind of sorted us out. And it was it was if this shocking near-death wake-up call shocked this poor old beloved vehicle back onto a straight path and down the road in the way that it should have been driving all along. Now, much like my old VW, many churches suffer from a missional alignment. Okay, see my analogy here? Without regular realignment or some shocking event that grabs our attention, oh, like maybe a global pandemic, the church has a propensity to drift off the intended course of making disciples and ends up putting all their eggs in the Sunday morning basket where true discipleship rarely takes place, or they'll end up in an endless cycle of running program after program of the church, and again, most of which are not geared, equipped, or built specifically for making disciples who know how to make disciples in everyday life. The same thing can happen to what are called parachurch ministries as well. It's often far too easy to stay in crisis management mode, sort of meeting the immediate needs that endlessly pop up, but losing the true purpose of the church. Because even if you're parachurch and you're in Christ, you're the church. And so we can lose the true purpose of the church in all of our life's work. And it should be making disciples of Jesus, right? That's what happens. We get into this crisis mode or meeting needs. And the goal isn't just getting confessions of faith. That's not the mission. Discipleship is the mission. Everything we do as the church can support the only mission Jesus gave us, make disciples of his who make more disciples, ultimately filling the earth with God's glory. We've talked a lot about that. That's the purpose of the gospel. That's the only mission and focus, or at least it should be, it gets to be, it should be the only focus we really have. Today, as we continue on in our conversations series, you'll hear how a conversation might sound between a couple of friends who are on staff at the same church as they discuss the mission of the church and how they might start to align various ministries of the church with that one all-important mission. Again, 
This is a critical topic to tackle if we want to see our church really engage in mission and discipleship as our primary focus, the one that Jesus gave us. You know, as if we really believe what Jesus said and we're taking steps to get in alignment. Here it is. Email to all department heads. Just a reminder, all department heads should be prepared to present your annual plan to the rest of the staff and board at this week's staff meeting. Another email to Pastor Allen. Al, let's do some lunch today. I need to run something past you, brother. You in? Signed, Pastor Jeff. Thanks for making the time on such short notice, Al. I've been thinking and praying through our upcoming staff meeting, the one where everyone is supposed to give their master plan for the year. Me too, Jeff. What are you thinking? I got to be honest with you. I love that our church has so many quality programs to offer. Our Sunday's amazing. You know, men's and women's ministries, mops, Awana, youth explosion. But I wish we could figure out how to, I don't know, pull the rope in the same direction a little more. I'd love to see us get on the same mission. Well, yeah, Jeff, but we already are, right? I mean, everybody wants to see more and more people getting saved. That's the point, isn't it? Well, yeah, but as I've been thinking more and more about Jesus' great commission, I can only see one mission that he ever gave the church. Go and make disciples, teaching those disciples to obey everything Jesus taught us. And that's why the church exists, to make disciples, more and more people who walk in Jesus' ways and live out his life today in community. So how are you thinking this affects our upcoming meeting? Alan asked. Well, what would it look like if everything we did in every department or activity or program of our church somehow served this idea of making disciples who make disciples? Jeff grabbed a napkin and quickly drew a simple illustration with several pillars supporting a main structure. On the top piece, that top structure, was written discipleship. And on each of the different pillars that supported it, he wrote a different activity or service that the church engaged in. One had evangelism, one had Sunday services, Bible studies, youth ministry, social justice. And then he showed it to him. He said, what do you think of this, Alan? Does this make sense? I think so, but why don't you explain it anyway? Sometimes I'm a little slow on the uptake. Okay, let me give you a for instance. What if our Sunday services, which are now designed to get the maximum number of people to attend so they'll learn from the Bible and hear the gospel preached, were instead planned to equip folks to go out and proclaim and live out the gospel and make disciples? Instead of the many coming to hear from the few, we could equip the many to go out and engage the masses. The focus of Sunday would start to be measured not by attendance numbers, but by how effective it was at making disciples who could go and actually make more disciples. Whoa, that'd be a pretty big shift, my brother. Talk about upsetting the apple cart. Well, let's come back to that one. What if our youth ministry or the men's and women's ministries were all retooled, focused and measured based on how effective they were at helping our people live as disciples who know how to make disciples and all the normal stuff of everyday life? I think that'd be awesome. I can imagine a lot of people getting their feathers ruffled at first, but our team members all have the same heart to see Jesus made much of and for more people to know him 
and walk with him. Hey, Al, I'm not necessarily talking about getting rid of any of the things we're doing, though we might find out we should. I'm talking about a difference in intention. We have a great time at our Sunday gatherings, but what if they were designed as a weekly equipping for everyday mission and life in disciple making? Instead of men's and women's ministries happening completely separate from each other, what if they were somehow integrated to prepare and train families or single people for that matter to live like a family of missionaries throughout the week? A family that has one mission to make disciples. It makes sense, Jeff, but we've always done it a certain way. That'll be hard to change. Well, maybe. How about we start small and go for the big fish of Sunday mornings after we gain a little momentum. You're over our youth ministries. I'm leading our adult ministries. What if we started by making this year a total life-on-life discipleship focus? Change our measurement tools a little and see what we learn. It'll be hard to argue with. And like you said, it's really a matter of intentionality versus blowing everything up. All right. I got to get back to the office and rewrite my annual plan for the meeting this Thursday. I got a few bombs to drop. Careful, Jeff, careful. But me too. Again, this week, this conversation is pretty simple, but can you imagine the impact this would have? You can and will need to be having conversations like this if you're going to help your people move toward discipleship as a lifestyle. What a radical thought that each of the areas of ministry in our churches would all be focused on the same thing, making disciples who know how to make more disciples in every area of normal life. Whoa, can you imagine it? And like our fictitious brothers Jeff and Al in that conversation, they pretty quickly realized the challenges that would be ahead of them if they took this seriously. If they took Jesus seriously, took his words, commands, and example more seriously than our past traditions and what people have come to consumeristically expect. What about you? Are you ready to start having that conversation or battle or adventure with your people? Here are five key adjustments that your church can make to achieve greater missional realignment. First, have a clear and often spoken missional discipleship-focused vision. Remember, we've said this a lot, language creates culture. Discipleship-focused language should be used often and regularly if we're going to create a culture of intentional discipleship and mission. People should know that discipleship in everyday life with others is the norm and to be expected. And by the way, your Sunday pulpit can be a great tool, not the only tool, but it can be a great tool for this. And it's best if this language flows from an authentic life lived in community making disciples in everyday life, not just something theoretical. Next, set staff benchmarks for disciple making and everyday life engagement. How could your staff members or department heads get out there more into the lives and homes and rhythms of your community and those they serve in your church? Start making that part of the job description. Set some new discipleship-focused goals of life-on-life engagement outside of the church building and throughout each week. Third, 
budget with a missional focus. In my experience, most churches give little attention to budgeting specifically towards discipleship and mission. Seems crazy. You'd think that would be the primary focus of the budget, but I'll bet that eight out of 10 mid-sized to smaller churches approach budget planning in one of the following ways. And I got a little help on this from Dr. Kevin Blackwell. This is how people look at their budgets generally. The budget committee meets, looks at last year's budget, and if the church is doing well financially, they'll add a few dollars to the most important line items. If the church has a down fiscal year, then they'll take a few dollars away from existing non-essential line items. And if the church has barely made budget the year prior, they'll give the staff a small cost of living raise, appropriate the necessary increases for things like utilities, and they'll keep everything else the same. You see, I'll bet that most budget decisions are made based on bottom line types of figures like that without a whole lot of regard to best accomplishing the one true mission of the church and how we can do more of that each year as we set our budgets. Does your current church budget accurately reflect a disciple-making focus? Here's the fourth thing start to make a shift in. Think small is big and slow is fast. Small is big and slow is fast, but get started. Pick one or two areas of ministry to refit with a greater discipleship in everyday life focus. Brainstorm things that you can try. Remember, you're not pouring cement. Give some things a try. Fail forward, or as I like to say, suck forward as you learn and try out these new things. And then, as you get a little momentum, build synergy between those areas of ministry and others, and then move to some other areas or departments and kind of give them the good news and what you've been doing and how that could work. So small is big, slow is fast, but you got to get started. And number five, Make training and equipping missional leaders a top priority. I'm always amazed at how little pastors and churches budget or will be willing to spend on equipping of their leaders. It's their number one best return on investment, I swear. I promise you, having pastored in many churches and helped a lot of other churches with these kind of things, but it's usually so small. See, people cannot do what they've not seen modeled, been equipped to do, and coached and helped along the way. Go after your most yeasty people. You know what I mean by that? The people who are like yeast in the dough, they have great influence on others and they're always willing to try things. Go after your most yeasty people first and create a system for ongoing equipping that's reproducible by those leaders. Because disciples, when mature, will always make more disciples but you got to start investing in training and equipping missional leaders and disciple makers. Without that, it won't accidentally happen or it won't happen through your 101, 201, 301 classes. And you know what? I'd love to tell you what I've been doing with a bunch of other amazing people to help them do all this and start making disciples in everyday life become a reality. So again, if you're interested in, in learning this and learning a full framework for discipleship and mission, and you want to get all the tools and resources, and instead of guessing at it, get a system for equipping your people, let's set up a short Zoom call so I can tell you more about our coaching, answer any questions you have, and get you started. I got a cohort starting real soon here in a few weeks, So, um, and who knows when you're hearing this, but there could be another one. So either way, let's touch base and see if I can help you, and this would be a good fit for you. Just go to everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching 
everydaydisciple.com forward slash coaching, and let's talk about it. Now, as always, it's time for our big three. Yeah, our big three takeaways from today's discussion. And if nothing else, you don't want to miss these. It kind of brings it all together. You can get a printable PDF of the big three that I'm about to share with you as a free download by going to everydaydisciple.com forward slash big three. Now, here's the big three for this week. First, which areas of ministry in your church could most easily, readily be refitted for mission, which is discipleship? Children, youth, men's and women's ministries, etc. See, Sunday morning services usually have a long way to go, but a lot of opportunity for shifting the focus toward equipping the saints for mission. Discipleship-focused language should be used often if we're going to create a culture of intentional discipleship and mission. People should know that discipleship in everyday life with others is the norm and expected. They need to hear about it. They need to see and taste and touch it often. Number two, God desires the whole world to be filled with his glory. And that certainly means our church and her programs. Would you agree? Jesus warned us about holding on to traditions or, quote, the way we've always done it. In Mark 7, he says to the religious leaders, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. See, if all of the various parts and programs of your church life are not centered on how discipleship can happen in all of life after leaving the building, then you've let go of the commands of God. Jesus commanded this. And that's because, number three, everything we do as the church can support the only mission Jesus gave us, make disciples who make disciples. That's the only mission, or at least it should be, or it gets to be. Will you do the hard work of having these types of discussions with your people and leaders, helping them refocus their efforts and stewardship in this direction? Will you get the equipping and resources you need personally to lead them there? I hope so. I really do. Remember, we get to live this amazing life that Jesus called us to. And it's the best imaginable way to live in community with your family and friends, being and making disciples of Jesus. Yeah, that's how we live. And I'll tell you, there's no going back. And I want that for you too. Well, that's it for today. Please join me next time as we continue on in our conversation series. And we're going to listen to a conversation about how we make disciples a lot more holistically moving well beyond passing on head knowledge about God and Jesus and the Bible. And again, I think you'll love it. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on this show and to get loads of free discipleship resources, visit everydaydisciple.com. And remember, you really can live with the spiritual freedom and relational peace that Jesus promised every day. 